pretty amazing with uh, a simple step. Uh, I really do. So if you're if you're in it, uh, I encourage you to share with me what what the Lord is speaking to you. Um, maybe maybe share with us all what the what the Lord is speaking, how the Lord is speaking to you. Um, as we try to read this together, uh, it'd be good good to do it that way. So. Um, it is good to be back with y'all uh, again. <clears throat> I, I, I mentioned that we were stuck in an Airbnb last weekend with our daughter uh, playing cards, and that may not mean much to you, but I don't like, really like playing gar- cards. Uh, my daughter does, so. Uh, <clears throat> she probably doesn't like much sitting around the house with, uh, with her parents, but she did it anyway, uh, and I'm glad she did. She spent a lot of time with us, and... It was good. I didn't get to fly with her because the weather was kind of nasty, but, you know, there will be other chances for that. She did just get her uh, professional uh, Pollux license, so that was a good thing. Uh, so she can, she, not only can she fly you around, but she can charge you. Uh, that's what she told me. <laughs> she can take me for a, for a ride and she can charge me, so that's the way it works. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> it was good to spend time with her. I remember... There was a, a day when she didn't want to spend much time with us, right? She rolled her eyes so much that I thought they were going to come unscrewed and fall out of her head. I mean, it was, yeah. One day she was 12, and she went, I think she was around 12 years old, and she went to bed, and in the middle of the night, and I didn't even hear it, but in the middle of the night, aliens came in, and they took our daughter away, and they replaced her with a cyborg that kind of looks like her, but, but wasn't like her at all. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that change, but I was so confused when that happened. I mean, I really was. I kept asking, what's wrong? And that's the last thing to add. I didn't know at the time that you're not supposed to ask what's wrong, but now I know. Don't stop asking what's wrong because she didn't know and I didn't know. All I noticed was that she would get in a huff and walk away, and that was kind of the end of the conversation. I was confused. It went on for years, years. Uh, There were months that I that I think where she never came out of her room <laughs> for, like, <laughs> for weeks at a time. Uh, I thought maybe the mothership had come back in to pick her up and take her back to get you recharged or something. I wasn't sure. Many times it was, it was bad. Those were hard years to be a parent, a grandparent. You know, you've been through it probably. Uh, anyone who's going through that, my prayers are with you because that was a difficult season. I'll be honest, many days my patience was tested, and many days my confidence as a father was, were tested, and many days I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't faithful. But along the way, somewhere along the way, we stumbled into the truth that it, what we needed to do was just love her in spite of how she acted or who she was or who she thought she was going to be or whatever. We were all confused with what was happening, and regardless of how difficult it was, in the moment, we knew our responsibility was to love her. No matter how often she was able to only grunt, (laughs) we knew we loved her and we were committed to helping her grow up and figure out life as best we could. That's what makes weekends like we had last weekend so great is because I haven't forgotten how difficult things were. Much like these last several months for all of us have been hard. We've been tested individually. We've been tested as a community, as a church. We've been tested in our 
our businesses, our state has been tested, our, our nation, even the world has been tested over these last months. Been tested by this trial of, of COVID-19. And, and I wonder oftentimes how to make sense of it. Like, what's the point? Have you ever asked yourself that? Like, like what's the point? Of, like, why? Why is all this happening? Is it some sort of judgment from God? Or what? Well, I can't tell you the answer to that. <laughs> Maybe you were thinking, oh, he's got an answer. No, I don't. But what I can tell you is that while this is one of the most difficult seasons, that I think that if we look, as we look at our current situation through the prism of faith, trying to make sense of our world through faith, not trying to make sense of our faith through what's going on in the world, follow me? But looking at the world through our faith, that we can make a little bit of sense out of what all is happening in this world. Today, I believe our text is going to help us. If you brought your Bible today, I invite you to, to join me in it. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis should be easy to find for you. It's in the very beginning. Uh, go to the index and turn right. Uh, and it's, keep on going and you'll see uh, chapter 22 there. <clears throat> I'm going to read the whole thing. But before I do, I'm just going to give you a cliff note version to catch you up. I know most of us have been here all along the way, but I just want to make sure everybody's up to speed, right? We have a story of Abraham, a story of a man who was started out as Abram, but God changed his name, right? Abraham called by God to leave, and he left. Called by God to leave because God was going to give him a new land and give him ancestors, and he believed him, so he went. He didn't know how. Because he was too old to have kids, but God said go. He went along the way. Every now and then we saw him take matters into his own hands. But he always came back to God's call in his life. He always returned. And the New Testament calls Abraham a righteous man because he believed God, right? So that's who he was. Even though he was way too old to have kids, he believed that God had a promise for him. That God was faithful to the promise that he'd given. Then after 25 years, his wife is pregnant. Finally. And last week, you read, Bill shared with you how miraculously she had a child. She was unable to have children. The promise, though, is alive now. And the promise has a name. Isaac. Can you imagine the love for that child? Can you just imagine after, I mean, 90 years you've been waiting for a child. The last 25 or... 26, 27 years anyway, God has been promising you this child, and finally, the child is here after 26 years of promises. Can't imagine waiting 25 years for something that's been promised by God. That's where we are in the story. So in Genesis chapter 22, I'm just, I just want to read this with you. <clears throat> Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there on a, as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. We'll get back to that. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took two, with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here while the donkey and, 
with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and carried, and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Hmm. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Sometime later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She has borne sons to your brother Nahor. Uz, the firstborn, and Buzz and Buzz, I love that. <laughs> Uz, the firstborn, and his brother Buzz, and Kimuel. What happened to him? That's, that's like, yeah, Larry, Larry, and David or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Remroah, however you say that, had also had sons, Teba, Giam, Tahash, and Maka. That's an amazing story. True. An amazing story. One that I, frankly, I can't even imagine being a part of it, actually. I don't know about you. The first sentence there in chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 22 is the one that it gives me, I, I struggled getting past this one today, honestly. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am. God tested Abraham. Have you ever thought of your trials in life as tests from God? How they're, how they're a test of our faith? I don't, mean a, I don't mean that every difficulty is from God. No, I think we need to discern the difference between a, a, a trial and a temptation. You see, temptations come from our desires within us. The book of James, which we'll look at shortly, that teaches us. But trials come from the Lord. In order, and they have a special purpose in our lives. 
Temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. But trials are used by the Holy Spirit to actually bring out the best in us. Temptations seem logical. They make sense. Trials make no sense. They're unreasonable. And yet, it is the trials in our life that have eternal value. Eternal value. You see, God allows faith to be tested because testing develops Christian character. Develops Christian character. And I'll tell you that you're welcome to write all these scriptures down, but I've got a lot in here today. And there's uh, we publish our bulletin, our program every week uh, on our website. If you go to the Charge website uh, under worship or, um, yeah, if you go to the worship tab, you'll see a, a list of like the last three or four weeks of bulletins. And uh, the sermon notes are, I try to put them in there every week. But, but testing develops Christian character in us. That's what Scripture teaches us. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote it in James chapter 1 when he said, Consider it a sheer joy, friends, that when, do I have it? Yeah, the message version. This is the one that's great. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure your faith is forced into the open. And shows its true colors. Yeah, I love that. That when you're, when you're under pressure, faith is forced out into the open. Everybody can see it. And there, the true colors are shown. Sometimes that's not a good thing, right? Can I get an amen? Amen, right? Sometimes pressure does, makes us do things that, oh, that wasn't faith. That was gall Gary, right? But that's what it does. Pressure reveals that. Reveals that in us. So testing helps us to develop that character of Christ in our lives. That is God's goal for us. You know that, right? God's goal for you is to be to have a Christ-like character. And the, the best way for that to happen is through testing. It helps us. Just like heat and pressure, they purify us. Purifies God's people. That's what Scripture teaches us. I believe I have it here. See, the prophet Isaiah, he wrote the, recorded the words of God. I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. I've tested you. Some of us have been tested in this last year. Some of you are being tested right now. Whatever comes out on the other side of the test is genuine. It's undeniable. It either, either it is or it ain't what we want it to be but we know coming out of it is true the genuineness of faith is revealed in testing the genuineness of our faith first peter another one of the closest disciples of jesus he said it this way in chapter one in all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you will have had to suffer griefs and all kinds of trials these have come so that the genuineness of your faith may be proven of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. That's the point. It's that our faith would be proved genuine. Would be proved genuine. That is God's desire for us. If you've been with us for a while, you know that uh, as we think back of, of the lives of Abraham, all through the situations where he was tested, right? He was led into the famine. Why? To trust God. 
He allowed his wife to test him with her servant. You remember that? And he failed. He was tested by powerful kings around him. And he did not rise to the occasion. He was tested. Not so God would know how he would respond. See, this is the amazing thing about our testing. God knows how we're going to respond. Your testing is not for God. He knows your faith already. The testing is for us. It's so we will know our faith. So we'll stop playing games with ourselves. We'll say, okay, I can't deny it now. I see it in full color. The test isn't isn't so much for God, it's for us. In school we were tested because our teachers were evil, right? (laughs) No, no, sorry, some of you retired teachers, I apologize. (laughs) No, we were... (laughs) <laughs> so one one at least took an offense. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. But no, we were actually tested in the, in the grand scheme of things. We were tested so that our deficiency was would be revealed, right? So that so that we could refine those weak air, weaknesses, right? That was the point of the testing, so that we could work on those things that we were deficient in. That's. And just because teachers were bad. <laughs> you know, that was just it. fact is that our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and to expect what seems impossible. That's when our faith is tested. And how do we respond to that? How does God do this testing? Abraham is told to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Verses 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. <laughs> all, all expectant, because so far, every time God's shown up, it's been a great thing that God's in town. Here I am, God. What you got for me now? Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Abraham lived in a world where child sacrifice was normal. I know we can't imagine that, but in his world, in his time, child sacrifice was normal. There have been excavations done of, of ancient structures at, at the Abraham's time when, when children were buried, were sacrificed and buried under the, under the walls of buildings so they would stand firm, pleasing the gods. They've been, they're found under the floors of the, the homes of influential people. Children sacrificed by age lined up because the people who walked on those floors needed the protection of the gods. See, child sacrifice wasn't a, that wasn't a shocker to Abraham. That's why in Hebrews uh, 11 verse 19 it tells us that, that God reasoned. I don't know if I have that text in here or not. No, I don't. That God reasoned that Abraham could even raise the dead. Verse 19 says, So in a matter of speaking, he expected to receive Isaac back from the dead. God doesn't always do the testing, you see. But even when he does, he has a purpose for it. As it is, it's personal here with Abraham personal sometimes God allows Satan to test faith this popular book in the Bible well not really popular 
but the book of Job, uh, where a man was presented to God by Satan to allow him to be tested. And God approved. God allowed it. God accepted it. Believing the faith of Job. He said in verse 7 of Job chapter 2, he said, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crowns of his head. Does Satan tempt us? Does Satan give us trials because of... Does Satan present us with difficulties? Absolutely. But not every difficulty you experience is because is at the hands of Satan. Not everything bad that happens to you is because of Satan. Sometimes it's just circumstances. It's just circumstances of life. Traffic jam on the Bay Bridge. Can't always blame it on Satan. A rude or a careless waitress. A new baby. A sick parent. A worldwide pandemic. Struggling business. You can't always blame it on Satan. Maybe, maybe it was, but not always. The question is, how do we respond to it, right? The fact is, the world is a broken place. And we're called to live faithfully in it, expecting it to be easy every day. Just because we have faith is a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Some tests, you see, come because of faith. Because of faith. That doesn't make sense, right? But that's true. The Bible's full of stories who are persecuted because of their faith. I mean, Hebrews 11, verse 35. I think I have that in. Ah, daggone, I should have this in here. You should, it, this one's in the notes. You need to read this. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Get that? The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. I mean, here in America, we have to deal with, well, we don't deal with persecution, really, for our faith. I mean, there are some, believe it or not, who say, you know, having to wear a mask is persecution. No, it's not. It, it may be ridiculous. You may disagree with it. All those things may be true. But tell it, say it's persecution to the church in the New Testament who were killed because of their faith, who were crucified because of their faith. Say it was say it's persecution to Christians in Africa or the Middle East who, whose homes and families are taken from them because of their faith. We in America don't struggle with persecution, really. Maybe one day, but not now. Not like that. We're free to worship any way we want. Praise God. But we, while we struggle to imagine what it would be like to live in a world like that, like that New Testament world where people were literally killed because of their faith, it's hard not to see how faith would be tested in those situations. What we deal with most in our world is a climate of, of discouragement. And this is a test of faith as well. This, this climate of discouragement that we live in. We're surrounded by people who question what we're convinced of. 
It's as though they're trying, even though they really aren't, but, but it seems like they're trying to steal our faith by their pessimism, by their doubt, their lack of willingness to even consider the possibility that God could be at work. Kind of makes us question, is what I'm doing real? It's a test. It's a test. When other people struggle with their belief, don't, don't take it as yours. I have a friend who always says, I'm not going to let anybody steal my joy because that's just right. I'm not going to let anybody take what I know, what, I'm convi- what I've experienced. No one gets to take that from me. I'm not going to give it away either. A few weeks ago in our reading plan, we came across a story in Mark chapter 5 that speaks right to this. Jesus is healing a bunch of people, and he, a man comes to Jesus, and he says, I need you to come to my house and heal my daughter. And he's trying to get Jesus to come, and while they're trying to get out of town, everybody and their brother is coming up to Jesus asking for stuff, right? And while they're on their way trying to get out of town, somebody comes up to, to, to Jairus and says, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother him anymore. You can almost see his, his shoulders kind of drop. His head fall, disbelief. He was too late. Discouragement from others caused him to question his faith. And to that, Jesus spoke up and he said, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. That's the word for us. No matter the source of our testing, whether it comes from God himself or he allows Satan to test us, if it's through the circumstances of life or or real persecution in the world or, or discouraging words from others, no matter where the test comes from, remember, remember, remember what you believe. Remember what is true, that God promises to help during testing. God promises to help us. Get through the testing. Isaiah Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Praise God. This is the promise of God that, that while we go through difficulties, it ain't over. It's not over. I mean, that's what happened to Abraham. God showed up miraculously and gave him a son. But I don't want to make you think that the only way God shows up is miraculously making changes in your life. He may do that. Praise God, he does that. Sometimes, though, it's the miracles of every day. It's the miracles of every day that we find God's hand helping us, encouraging us to live faithfully in the midst of, not not outside of our troubles, but through our troubles, to be faithful in our troubles. That's passing the test you get a a card or a letter from a friend or phone call someone just notices that you're in the room and that's all you need that's all the encouragement that it took this for somebody to say i see you i'm glad you're here god moves to help us you see god always moves to help us i mean think about it if God's ultimate goal is for us to develop Christ-like character, right? And, and if the best way to, for that to happen is through testing, wouldn't he also send us the encouragement we need when we're at our weakest? Yes. His desire, you see, isn't to break us. His desire is for us to thrive. His desire is for us to overcome. His desire is for us 
to pass the test. I never believed my teachers when they said that. I want you to pass this. I want you to get an A. Well, then just give me one, right? That was my attitude. No. First Thessalonians. Paul is writing here to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. We're destined for trials, for difficulties. But God sends encouragement. God sends us, his church, out to encourage others in the midst of difficulty. That's the encouragement that God provides in our lives is one another. One another. The simple fact is we are never closer to God. We're never closer to God than when we are in trial, when we are being tested. God is never closer than in difficulty. Because Scripture says, right, in my weakness, he is strong. In my weakness, he is strong. So if, if you want to be near to God, then get tested. Not COVID tested. I mean, like, like get, put yourself out there. Not recklessly, but take steps of faith. Be in places where God has to show up. Instead of allowing our, our trials to turn us away from God, that's what often happens, right? It makes us cynical when we, we go run up against difficulty. Well, God wouldn't do that. It makes us cynical. It gives us doubts. Satan tries to use it for that. We let our anger with God for what he did to us rule our hearts. What's a better way of responding to God's testing? There is a better way to respond to the testing that you're going through right now that Abraham experienced in this story. That response to trials, three steps. The first one is pray. That's always a good step, right? Always a good and first step. Pray. Seek God. Submit your struggle to God. Turn it over to him, literally. Asking God to, to be... To give him authority over whatever your struggle is. Whatever it is. That's what Jesus did. And he faced trials that we can't even imagine. The sin of the world put upon his shoulders. We can't imagine what that weight is like. So let's boldly ask God for the grace that only he can provide that will see us through. We ask God for that. 1 Peter 4.19 Do I not have it? No, I don't. 1 Peter 4.19 says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their Creator God and continue to do good. Submit yourself to God and continue. Submit ourselves to God. Not just our problem, not just say, Lord, help me with this. No, but God, I'm giving you everything. My pain, my frustration. I'm going to give you my overcoming. I'm going to give you my victory. I'm going to give you my joy, God. I'm giving you everything. Whether I come through it or not, it's yours. That's giving it to God. Then persevere. Then keep on doing the good things, is what Peter said. And James 1.12 says, Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. The reward is life and more life holding on to what we believe what we have been promised by God 
makes all the difference in the world. Persevere. 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 And then rejoice. Well, there was that text. And there was the other one. Daggone. Rejoice at sharing the suffering of Christ. 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. That's why. That's why, because we are, we are one with Christ when we're in suffering. That encourages me in the midst of... I'm, I'm telling you that encourages me. I mean, have you ever been going through a hard time, like a really difficult season, and you, you just find yourself praying and worshiping God? Have you ever been there? I don't, you don't have to raise your hands, but maybe you have. Where it became a season of worship. I found myself there just recently. It was Wednesday night, and Michelle and I, we were at the, at, uh, we've been meeting at Rock Hall Church to pray on Wednesday nights at 6.30. I encourage you to come. It's just time to pray and, and worship and, and praise God. So anyway, we were there, and we were the only two people there. Praying, and, and we were just praising God for all that he'd done in our life and my life. We're lifting up the needs of our church and our community and and our fears and doubts about is God really at work in this or in that and and in the midst of all those prayers I was moved to praise God I can't explain it but he revealed to me how he'd been at work in the past the things that he had done in my in my life and he encouraged me that that he's the one that everyone longs for everyone longs for he is the one that there are roadblocks he, I mean, he, that there are roadblocks between them and him sometimes those roadblocks are me sometimes those roadblocks are things that people put in the way sometimes those roadblocks are the church that sometimes we get in the way of people coming to Christ which but he encouraged me that that, <laughs> that through my tears right that I could see that he is at work. He's at, and he always has been. He's at work in our community because he's at work in you, and he's at work in me. I left there more encouraged than I have in a long time. It happens. And that is why this is such an important lesson that, that Abraham learned today. Remember, God is teaching Abraham something today. We're kind of looking over his shoulder. He's teaching him about a victorious faith. A victorious faith that we are invited to share. We want that sort of faith, right? A faith that overcomes the circumstances. I believe that's what you want. I, believe that's, I know that's what I want. A faith like Abraham. A faith like Job. Faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember, who were, who were told that you believe or we're going to burn you alive. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll take the fire. And they walked out without even smelling like smoke. I want the faith of the apostles as they stood before the Sanhedrin and boldly proclaimed what they believed. 
I believe that we all want the faith of Stephen, who was about in his being stoned. He said, forgive them, Father. Forgive them. We want the faith of Paul, who was pressed, who was persecuted, who was shipwrecked, abandoned, prisoned, chained. He was pressed, but not crushed. He was faithful. I believe that is the faith that we want. I believe that is a faith that, <laughs> this is the amazing thing, that that's the sort of faith that God gives us. That's the faith. That faith, I mean, we look at these people and we think, oh man, I can never do that. The same God is at work in us, is at work in Abraham and Job and Stephen and the apostles, the same God. God doesn't give a weak, futile faith. He gives a strong, a bold, a confident faith. A faith that passes the test. A faith that, that overcomes no matter the trial. I know we sometimes don't feel like we have that kind of faith. But regardless of how you feel about it, that is the faith that we have. That is the faith that we've been given. Imagine, imagine if that was the faith that we lived out tomorrow, later today, when our faith is tested. When we're, we notice the person at the checkout and, and we think, I should, tell, I should ask them about their faith or I should have a conversation about, with them about Jesus. And we say, okay, today's the day. Did you go to church this morning? Or we, we go to work tomorrow. We go to work tomorrow and somebody says, you know, we're probably going to be cutting back a lot this year. And you say, I'm sure that's going to be pretty scary for some people. But God has given me peace about it. How is your faith being tested now? What would it look like for you to persevere? What would it look like for you to take a step in confident faith toward the victory that God has designed you to live into? What would it look like for us as a church to respond to COVID-19 in our community in a way that really made a difference, that made people Look for Christ in us, in our community of faith. On behalf of the leaders of your church and the churches here in our community, uh, we covet your prayers. Because regardless of a uh, pandemic, God's call for us, his mission for the church has never changed. He's created in us and he's given us the faith to, to pass this test that we are currently in. Not to see it as something to defeat us, but something that makes us closer to him, brings us closer to him, makes us more of what he created us to be. As he's using this season to cut away all the things that we were maybe relying on that, that frankly didn't draw us close to him. We were relying on things that 
we thought were good. Were, they were good things, but they weren't moving us closer to him. And so he's using this as a season to, to cut that out of our lives. You don't need it. It's not moving us to him. He's given us time to pray, to read his word, to get to know him, to follow him, and allow him to see us through this trial and any other one we face. He's your answer. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. I thank you for your call on our life. That you have a plan, even in this. It's not to break us. It is to draw us near. And we thank you, Lord. We praise you for your goodness, Lord. Draw us close. We are yours, and you are ours. Amen.